The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Greetings, humans. You have entered the Command Zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. <laughs> Joker's to the left. Well, Joker's to the, the right. right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Just ain't right. Perfect. It was awesome. We nailed it. Yeah. No problem. What was that song again? Well, it's because we were talking about um, what were we talking about, Alice? Mr. Bank. Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs. That's right. And that song always reminds me of Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, very um, heartwarming scene, to yeah. say the least. Yeah, family friendly. Family friendly. <laughs> How's it going, everybody? You are listening to the Command Zone podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. Today, we are joined by the very wonderful, awesome Allison Lures at Allison, the person from uh, Wizards of the Coast. Allison, say hi. Hi, everybody. Now, Allison, you do a lot more than just be the community manager at Watsi. You have a. Uh, an extensive, I, I don't know, portfolio of awesome work and, and stuff that you do. Care to enlighten the world? Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, in addition to being a community manager, uh, I also uh, participate on the story team at Wizards. So I contribute to uh, Magic's canon, which is really fun, wielding that kind of unimaginable power. Uh, <laughs> I'm, also, <laughs> I'm also an improviser. Uh, I founded a theater company here in Seattle a few years ago. Uh, and uh, I, sometimes I cross-stitch stupid things in my spare time, and that's, uh, that's me. That is very exciting. Uh, and yeah, theater. Yeah, theater, that's Yay, right. Yay, theater. Woo! We all came yeah. up in it, and it's very important. And I love that Seattle I know. Has... That's, that's why I'm happy I get to talk chat to you guys on here. We've got that connection. Seattle's got this nice, vibrant theater community, too, which you are help, helping foster, which is awesome. Which, surprisingly, yeah, LA yeah. does not have. No, LA yeah. does not have. LA it, theater is... It does. It's just, like, ultra-quiet, and, like, no one goes to it. I have a couple of friends down there who try to do the theater scene, and I'm like, why would you do that? Don't yeah. Stop. You'd think because LA has just all these actors just like standing around right. doing nothing. And yet, LA theater Seriously. scene is really sad. Yeah. We have LA improv. That's that's the big one. LA improv is pretty good. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. But it's, mo- it's everyone just trying to learn improv so that they can go onto the silver screen. Yeah. That's, yeah. They, just, <laughs> they don't care that's about That's true. Yeah. I guess, I guess there isn't really much of a scene that's like exclusively for improv down there. You just kind of like learn it so you can have it on your resume and then go back to doing like screen stuff yeah or hoping to i mean i have a lot of friends that are very into improv and have I mean, i've made a lot of my best friends from improv but it's oh, tough yeah. it's just you can't really make a living off it improv is it's more true. like yeah. it's more like um going to play pickup basketball or something like you have mm-hmm. to love that mm-hmm. the improv like you're not you know you don't yeah. go play pickup basketball at the gym to become to get on the lakers like that doesn't uh, make yeah, and, and that's the thing that really sucks too is that there are so many awesome pockets of like regional comedy around the country uh, right, yeah. but most people just sort of ignore those because you think oh no it's just a step to get to where i need to go next when there's you this entire the like thing. vibrant scene yeah yeah, yeah there's this entire the thing. thing that totally exists so you know you gotta, you gotta stand up for the stand up for the little guys in comedy that's right and uh yeah. speaking of the little guys 
Actually, I don't know why I said speaking of the little guys. Anyway, it was a possible segue. <laughs> it was a possible, yeah. Together, yeah. Speaking of the little guys, stuck in the middle with you. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Allison, you are a participant and writer of Magic Story. You actually wrote the story yeah. pretty recently, right? Uh, yes. Uh, last week, actually, was uh, my second uh, piece I've done for Magic Story. Uh, games about uh, Gisa and Garelf, everyone's favorite uh, bratty teenage necromancers. That is. So, that was a... <laughs> It was so much fun. Uh, originally, I was uh, supposed to write a different story, and uh, James Wyatt, the uh, creative director of this set, came to me and he said, ah, Allison, I'm really sorry, but due to scheduling conflicts, we're going to have to stick you with Gisa and Garelf. I hope that's okay. <laughs> and I think I screamed at him. Like, I screamed at him, the person, and uh, it was a little embarrassing, but I was so excited because I, I just love these two teen nerds so much. That's awesome. So it was it was a lot of fun. If you guys didn't know, Gisa and Garolf were legendary creatures that are actually introduced in Commander in 2014 in the mono-colored uh, cycle, where Gisa is a yes. mono-black commander and, and Garolf is the mono-blue commander. So they're actually Correct. pretty yeah. relatively The two new. characters were introduced in uh, Innistrad a few years before, but they finally got cards in uh, Commander yeah. 2015. Yeah. Which is super exciting. So today's main topic is we are doing something that we usually don't do on the show. We've is, never done it. Yeah. Um, we are focusing on story, which is really, really exciting. Um, this is our first Vorthos episode. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to A.E. Marling, who is our Vorthos expert, uh, sort of on Aww, Twitter. Oh, seriously. He's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so today, He's like a level 17 flavor judge, I think. <laughs> yeah. He really is. <laughs> Took him a long time to get there, actually. Yeah, a lot. I had to pass a lot of tests. Judge Emeritus for, <laughs> for Ooh, flavor. Seriously. You gotta pay to take the classes. Yeah. You don't want to see the stars, like, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not like pick up basketball for him that so much. <laughs> no. Um, so, uh, before we get into it, today, the main episode today is we're gonna take some stories. Allison's brought us, uh, um, four of her favorite characters and stories, and we're gonna do our own sort of Iron Root Chef celebration and sort of throw out our ideas of how you would build a deck that is flavorfully storied around the person or the story that that we're going to talk about. And before we get into it, though, how did you actually get into writing Magic Story? Because I imagine we've talked to James Pianca on the show before, who's done a lot of flavor text writing. Oh, cool. It's not just sort of like yeah, a yeah. one-step process, right? No, not at all. Um, for me, it was a lot of begging. Uh, there was a lot <laughs> of like genuine pleading and asking. Uh, actually, the way it sort of worked out was I, uh, my boss is uh, Trick Jarrett, who I think most people on the show will probably recognize that name. What's up, Trick? Uh, and as soon as I got hired, I, I remember him asking, so what would you like to do here at Wizards? And I, I think I like whispered like, I want to do story really bad. And so he said, okay, that's very, okay, sure. So he put me in contact with uh, Jenna Helland, who's in charge of the uh, of the story team. And she basically had me like write uh, a piece to submit, uh, sort of like an audition to see if I could actually write like a human being. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the story I submitted was, I think about, it was a romance about a witch and a vampire who was also a baker. Um, I, I love like cute garbage, so it, it was up my cute alley, garbage. and I had no idea if anyone else would like it. It's a great combination uh, but of words. They did well, it, yeah. A, a baker would be a really good if they were a vampire because their hands would be really cold and it wouldn't activate the yeast in the bread. They had work <laughs> weird hours. It makes sense. Uh, but yeah, so I submitted that and they liked it. And uh, my first piece I wrote was a uh, family values about Tessa Karlov. Uh, for Commander 2015. Yeah. Spoiler alert, we will be talking about the one and only Tasted today. Yes, we will. Um, but we, sure so will. We, we have four characters and stories total uh, for, the, for the sake of time and also so we can include you guys, listeners. Uh, we're only going to cover two of them today and we're going to sort of leave the other two up to you guys to sort of submit your own stuff at the end of the show. So let's just dive right into it. 
the um the first commander slash legendary creature that you submitted that I was like, I love this guy. He is insane. The character itself. Yes. Uh, I played against it many times in different decks. It is Niv-Mizzet. And Niv-Mizzet, if you guys don't uh-huh. know, is an Izzet commander. Would you look at that? Izzet's right in his name. He's blue it's and red. It's in there, red. yeah. And there's actually... It's like it was named after him. Yeah. yeah. He's known for going infinite in commander. I think that's sort of his... The, like the boogeyman of the visit is like, look, I'm going to attach a single thing to him and I'm just going to ping mm-hmm. everyone to death immediately. I'm going to win. Um, and the story that you brought to us is called project lightning bug. that actually focused yes. on two other characters uh, more so than visit a uh, visit, which is Ralph Eric and Jace. Uh, so yeah, I, I picked one with multiple characters mm-hmm. to make sure that we had like enough to kind of like draw from. Mm-hmm. And also it's one of the more recent uh, Ravnica stories. So in case someone's like just catching on, it's easy to kind of like get caught up with everything that's going on. Yeah, I love Ravnica. It has every, all the guilds and all the things that are happening there. It's just ripe for story. But yeah, if you want to take us through oh, yeah. Project Lightning Bug. Sure. Uh, so uh, Project Lightning Bug is, uh, it's basically like about Niv-Mizzet without really being about him. So Niv is like in charge of the Izzet and honestly all he really wants is to gain as much knowledge about what's going on as possible. And the Izzet have started to notice that people tend to kind of like appear and sometimes disappear from the plane uh, and he doesn't really understand what's going on. The rest of us obviously know that what's going on is that planeswalkers can appear and kind of disappear from planes of existence at any given time. And so uh, Niv set up this big project to kind of track, like, where are these people going and how are they disappearing? And they're doing that through some kind of, like, storm magic. And uh, my main man, uh, Ral, Ral Zarek, is, uh, is in charge of this. So he is, obviously knows what's going on because he's a planeswalker, too. So he tips off Jace Valeran, the, uh, the guild pack of Ravnica, to say, hey, they're catching on to us, so you need to be, like, a little bit more under the radar. <laughs> also, there's a third planeswalker we've been tracking, and we don't know who it is. Uh, and in in between all of this, we jump back and forth to see Miz, Niv, uh, Niv in his awesome, is it, like, stronghold or whatever, being all in charge and very wise and smart and bossy and, uh, yeah, just kind of learning how frustrated he is that he doesn't really know what's going on in this plane. Because people are vanishing, uh, and he really wants answers. And Niv's a pretty what it's about. Niv's a pretty old guy too, right? He's not like a young spring chicken. Oh, he's he's ancient as hell. Niv has been around for a while. I'm I'm not one hundred percent sure, so maybe the maybe the listeners can confirm it. But I'm pretty sure that the guild is it is named after Niv Mizzet. Yeah, and I, uh, I like Ral Zarek in this story too because he is, um, as you very aptly put it, you connect with him in a lot of ways because he is a planeswalker, but he has to hide it from Niv-Mizzet as well. Um, But he's also sort of an outcast. For sure. He grew up in a small town and didn't really fit in there. So he tried moving to the city and even still has to hide who he is from everyone around him because he knows that if Niv-Mizzet ever found out that he's a planeswalker, he would be like torn apart and he would be like, I don't know, dissected to try and figure out like how can he do what he can do. So I, I imagine it's really difficult that he spent all of his life trying so hard to be a part of his guild, and he still has to hide who he is. So I, I got a lot of Ral's Eric feels. Yeah, Ral's great. I love the idea that you can't, you know, you have to, obviously, planeswalking and disappearing off the plane is something that confuses this very old dragon. And the great part right. about this story is that is that Ral's like, it's great because, you know, you'll just randomly go, and we can't really track it because you don't choose when you leave and when you come back. But there is one person... We don't know who it is, but he keeps popping in 
in in the Boros area at the exact same time every single day like clockwork. And so they right. we later learn, of course, that this is our 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 good friend Gideon Jura. Um but this is great because it sort of throws everyone into the story. I'm I'm actually kinda of sad that Rao Zarek didn't get to uh hang out with the rest of the guild pact and we get to see more That's reprints of that guy. Because he is that planeswalker, if you guys haven't seen it, is awesome. He's so good. I, I And I would love to see him again for a variety of reasons. I mean, he's a super fun character and also just like a baller card that I really want to have in my life again for good reason. So. <laughs> Any, anytime you need to flip coins for something. Yeah, that's is, what I was going to say. I'm in. I'm in. I'm all say. in. There's a lot I, of I want flipping. an excuse to carry coins around. That's awesome. I don't actually know off the top of my head what the coin flipping is for. I just remember there's a lot of coin flipping. Extra turns, possible. Josh. Yeah, that's what it oh, is. Oh, for sure. Extra for sure. turns. That's so, the ultimate though, right? Yeah, that's the ultimate. Uh, yeah, it's the ultimate. I've only seen that happen once. Yeah, actually, and it was Craig again. Yes, Cra- of course our, it was Craig. Yeah, our good friend Craig does have a Niv-Mizzet deck. So now that we have a general idea of the story, of this sort of Niv-Mizzet, as you call him, the elephant in the room, which I think is funny because it's more, he's the uh, dragon, the in, the dragon room. in the room. Yeah, He's a dragon elephant, you know. Um, <laughs> how, how would we one go about building a deck around this? And this is the fun part because I, I got to do this a little bit on the community cup on the spot. And it was a very satisfying feeling because being able to combine flavor and power at the same time makes you feel mm-hmm. like you're the, just the greatest magician, wizard, whatever, sorcerer, elephant, the, dragon, <laughs> elephant, dragon in, <laughs> in the world. Um, oh, and yeah. I, I chose for the commander, of course, Niv Mizzet, the fire mind, which is, yeah. I think of the two, the more powerful one. Um, Agreed. His, That's the one I was thinking of too. He's he's pretty great. Uh, so oh, yeah. the the card is two, and then blue, blue, red, red. So six total for a four, four flying legendary creature, dragon wizard. Uh, and whenever you draw a card, Niv Mizzet, the fireman deals one damage to target creature or player, and you can tap him to draw a card. Uh, so he's this awesome guy. That, and obviously, there are lots of infinite combos here. Things that untap him when you draw cards. Essentially, you can just sort of go through your entire deck and shoot everyone down with little fireballs. But in terms of making a deck that's flavorful and also powerful at the same time, it's a delicate balance we should talk about a little bit before we get into it in that you can make a deck that has 100% flavor and that plays with all the characters in the story, all the, the all the bits in the story. You know, you can play like cards like Maze's End even if you don't have a bunch of gates to win the game with. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you won't have as much fun because... Playing a flavorful deck but never being able to win with it doesn't feel as, you know, I guess, conclusive as being able to do that. Complete your story within the play style that you're going for and end up with a win. So, Sure thing. In this case, we have the Is It. And correct me if I'm wrong, though, but the Is It are sort of very much about experimentation, storms, and the quest for complete knowledge is something that obviously Niv-Mizzet is all about. Um, yeah, their their vision of knowledge is uh, through experimentation and like probably blowing things up. Like, <laughs> if, if it involves the possibility of someone like dying while also trying to do a really cool experiment, they're all about that. That is actually yeah. super sweet. Um, and they love to create stuff too. Like Melek is yeah. a creation of Ralzeric to to run the maze, correct? Mm-hmm. And the uh, the the living maze, I believe it was called. Uh, yes, yeah. So uh, the idea is that this maze has been on uh, Ravnica for forever, like a really long time. And no one really knows what the big prize is at the end, but all of the guilds uh, nominate their champion to go run through. And uh, it turns out that the, the winner, I guess, of whoever runs the maze gets to be the living guild pack. <laughs> quote unquote which, winner. 
Yeah, it's it's not really like a, a congratulatory prize because oh hey you have a, a a civil job and now you work for the city congratulations great you're the person or the thing that keeps all the we guilt go- from tearing each other apart yay yeah I hope you're a civic engineer because you're <laughs> in charge of everything yay. Um, so I really like the idea of experimentation and also, like you said, the high risk, high reward part of the game, uh, because that to me screams red. Um, the idea of Rousey oh, yeah. flipping coins, the idea that you doing something may or may not be the most powerful or the most weak thing you could do in the game, which is also another reason that you want to make sure that you build your deck to be powerful and effective, because in the long run, you know, if you're going to be taking a lot of risks, you'd rather that your percentage of flipping the coin and landing on the side that you want is actually above 50%. Otherwise, you're going to have a real crazy <laughs> time in in each game. Um, so obviously, each right. this deck, if you're going to build a Niv-Mizzet deck and, and you want to be Vorthosy with it, has to have Niv-Mizzet in it. Um, you can go as far as to run the other Niv-Mizzet in your deck as well. Uh, it may mm-hmm. be a bit of a flavor fail to some people, but I've, I like the idea of having a redundant version of your commander that's slightly different. Um, Raul Zarek obviously has to be in this deck. Um and if you guys read Ralzeric, his text says you can tap a target permanent, then untap another target permanent as his plus one. And you can also lightning bolt a creature or player for minus two. Uh, so that is something we'll have to take into consideration as we go into the rest of the deck, because obviously you can untap Niv-Mizzet himself with Ralzeric and keep him drawing cards. And there's also Jace the Living Guild Pact and Jace Architect of Thought, which are both very, very yeah, very powerful, and of course, invoke the fire mind. Uh, so these are all cards that feature. They're sort of like the story cards, I guess. Uh, invoke the fire mind is just X blue blue red, and you can choose one to draw X card or deal X damage to target creature or player. Um, so these are sort of like the the given cards in the deck. And past that, uh, when I was thinking about the deck, I really wanted to do stuff that was sort of off the beaten path so you could you could put in like Niv-Miz is a controlling guy right Allison he he wants to know stuff and also control the flow of information oh for sure he's in charge of his guild so naturally he wants to know everything that's going on not just between his own people but on the rest of the plane as a whole since you know he's kind of blue and all that stuff <laughs> so because of that I like the idea that he has he wants to have full control so this isn't a deck that mm-hmm. would just run a normal counter spell um, one card that I came across that I really like was called Trick Bind, which is one in the blue, and it's an instant with split second, which is a mechanic we haven't talked that much about on the show, but it says as long as this spell is on the stack, players can't play spells or activate abilities that aren't mana abilities. So split second essentially says I'm going to do something and stop everything else from you cannot interact with this spell past this point. And Trick Bind is counter target activated or triggered ability. If a permanent ability is countered this way, Activate abilities of that permanent can't be played this turn. So you can trick mine an ability and lock it down for the entire turn. This will turn off a ton of infinite combos. Mm -hmm. Um, It's sort of like a one-shot answer to stop a lot of stuff. And even if the person's holding a protection for their combo, saying like, okay, I'll do something, and then I'll have a counterspell for whatever. Trick mine is one of those sort of catch-all, like, ah, I didn't see that coming. We'll stop the combo dead in its tracks and keep it that way. Really good card. Yeah. Josh, yeah, you... I'm writing that one down for later. That's super handy. <laughs> do you like countering activated and triggered abilities? Do you think it's worth it? Um, in general, no, but I uh, that's maybe because I play a lot of them myself. So it's really annoying when someone just happens to have a card that does that. Because you, <laughs> when you have an activated ability yeah. on board, you pretty much just, in your mind, you're like, it's going to happen. You don't worry about it getting countered. <laughs> so when somebody does manage to like stifle or whatever, there's been a few cards 
that stop there. What's the creature? There's a creature that does it too. I forget. Um, but you never, ever, ever see it coming. Right. So it just foils your plan. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> You're playing that card. Uh, it's the worst. <laughs> uh, so, so if you could be on the other side of that coin, I think it's probably good. Yeah, certainly. Um, another card that is, quickly becoming one of my favorites. And I don't know if you've ever played with this card, Allison, but it's Telepathy. It's an enchantment for just blue where it says your opponents play with their hands revealed. Um, Yeah. This card's really absurd, I think. This, what a Niv-Mizzity card. Yeah. That was from one of the core sets, right? Yeah, it's been reprinted in 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th edition and Magic 2010. And it was originally from Urza Saga. Yeah, so this card's been around for a long time. Um, obviously, you would never play it in a one v one format. I don't think. I don't think it does enough. But even it's a waste then, of a card. But the political ramifications in a multiplayer is pretty huge. We've super fun. We've yeah. seen this out on the table a few times. Craig uh, uh, yeah. plays this card too. Yeah, it it screws up the game in a really weird way. Yeah, I also like the fact that in a multiplayer game, it 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 very quickly pits other players against each other in a way that it, it normally doesn't because everyone now knows. Oh, so and so has a board wipe. I just won't do this. Yep. The nice thing is when I first had this card played against me, I was like, oh, well, you're playing this. You have to reveal your own hand. But no, it's actually just your opponent. Oh, that's so much fun. Yeah. So it feels very Niv-Mizzity to me uh, to know as much as you can without revealing your own 3,000-year-old brain. Yeah, totally makes sense. Um, and, okay, this this is a card that I've always wanted to put in the deck, and I finally found a place for it. Jester's Cap. Jester's Cap was one of those cards growing up. I don't know if this is the same for you guys, but when I saw the art for this as a kid, I was this was like iconic magic art for me. Well, it was on like the box, I believe, and I believe it was on one of the booster packs Mm -hmm. for Ice Age, so it was like one of the iconic. Yeah, yeah, it's just this like great looking clown guy, I guess. Oh yeah, Um, yeah. Child Allison has lots of memories of uh, going to uh, Pokemon tournaments and always seeing art like this for magic and thinking, that's a little scary for me. I don't know. Yeah, I know, right? You see like demonic tutor on something. You're like, oh my gosh, he has horns. That's a little spooky. And also I'm eight. So I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, But Jester's Cap, it's four drop artifact. You can pay two and tap it. You sack it and you search a player's library for three cards and exile them. And then that player shuffles his or her library. I feel like if you had a, you know, like this blue and red are the definitely artifact colors and they have a lot of ways recurring artifacts. This is kind of a way to turn off wind conditions in decks if you can recur it. And I really like that it's like, I'm going to, it's very JC in this, in a way where it's, he's going to search into your mind, dig some secrets out, make you forget stuff. And all of a sudden, the way that you're going to win with your creator hoof behemoth is it's just not going to happen anymore. Make yeah, this is super helpful stuff. if you're really familiar with your playgroup. Uh, being able to just like seek out those bombs that you absolutely hate and get rid of them as quickly as possible. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and also a card that runs around in our playgroup a lot is Bribery, which allows you to search yeah. in the opponent's library. You can actually activate the Jester's Cap in response to someone briberying another library and and get rid of like whatever they're going to steal from <laughs> their that Blight deck. Steel Colossus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that, that feels really good. That's a good feel. I like that. It's a good feel. Um, to keep going down the list, uh, Flux. This is another bizarre card. Is uh, It's two in the blue. Each player discards any number of cards, then draws that many cards, and then you draw a card on top of that. Um, I really like hand recycling effects in general. I think this one's actually not as powerful because people get to choose how much they discard. But I also like the randomness of it, is that everyone gets to decide, okay, do I want to pitch my whole hand and go for a full reset? Do I only want to pitch one card and draw one card off it? And I like that everyone gets that choice because it feels very much like the experiment that Niv Mizzet would sort of perform mm-hmm. i guess to see to see what everyone else would do get more information that way um 
And finally, Epic Experiment. This is a card. <laughs> we always try and play this card. We always try and play this card. It is X blue red. Um, you get to exile the top X cards of your library. And for each instant or sorcery card with, with CMC X or less, you can cast that card without playing its mana cost. And then you put all your cards to exile that way that weren't cast into your graveyard. Why don't we ever play this card? It seems so awesome. And I've always have it in the pile of cards whenever they're in this color. And then for some reason, I always just end up cutting it. But it's always like right there almost. So maybe this is the time. This is this. It could happen this time. It says experiment. It, it it's it's the most is it is it tastic is it card that's ever existed. It's is it tastic. It is it tastic. Yeah, I'm ecstatic. It's so is it tastic. Um, and of course, in this deck, because you're dumping stuff into your graveyard constantly, you're going to want cards like Mystic Retrieval uh, mm-hmm. and cards like Faithless Looting to help get you through your deck and also to get your cards back from your uh, your your graveyard. Um, and I just I love any hand discard. I love anything that makes you make a choice take a chance on something and potentially end up better or worse. So Winds of Change, Wheel of Fortune, all that good stuff. Um, also, I think in this deck you play Arjun, which was a new card that was printed Ooh, in the yeah. Commander set recently, which is Mind Moil, uh, but on a 5-5 five, five flying creature. So whenever you cast a spell, you put the cards on your hand on the bottom of your library anywhere, and then you draw that many cards. Um, this feels like the kind of deck you want to put Laboratory Maniac in. So if you have zero cards in your deck, you win the game. Like This just feels like the kind of deck where you get to try to do all the crazy Johnny, non-spiky, but also very much broken things in the game. Because it's hard to get to that point where you're like, I have zero cards in my library, I win the game. Yeah, it is it to me, it's all about kind of the fun parts of magic like just being able to just really mess around with what this game is capable of uh and cards that allow you to do that are so much fun in just one-on-one but even more so when you have other people to show off to yeah certainly um you also wrote down a couple of cards yourself allison that you would like to put in the deck yeah uh so uh full disclosure um one of my favorite things i've ever done while working at wizards were these things that we called uh flavor offs uh with the community (laughs) team so what we would do is you had to create a a 60 card singleton deck uh based around like a theme and they were not good decks like they were meant to be as terrible as possible (laughs) and usually we would ask the community like hey suggest a movie or a tv show we'll build a deck around it oh that's awesome yeah the, the problem was that that no one wanted to hear like minute updates on what each of our moves were <laughs> or how, <laughs> how genius our decks were, even though they were terrible. Yeah. Uh, so I channeled that, I channeled that feeling of uh, having fun with building absolute crap. Ooh, uh, that's also really, really flavorful. So uh, that was kind of my thought behind all this. Uh, my first pick was uh, Jace's archivist. I love this. Card. Uh, it's, Ra- it's Ravnica tastic. Um, uh, the story involves Jace and it's set on Ravnica. So, you know, duh, might as well include it. <laughs> um, I like cards that make you just go, well, duh. Cause those exactly, are the most satisfying yeah. to put in the deck, especially when you're just building for fun and for flavor. It's like, right. Duh, and on another Jace's flavor note, I'm really here. happy that Jace hired someone to take care of his stuff because he's away <laughs> like a lot. <laughs> I, I kind of worry about the state of Ravnica since he just keeps leaving it. So hopefully this guy's in charge. He also uh, has a propensity for making himself forget things. So <laughs> yeah. I know. So, I know, you know, he needs somebody. Nerd. This is like a personal assistant that reminds uh, 
Mr. Jace, you have an uh, appointment. Mr. Balarin, you, you, you're, you're late for your appointment. Yeah, you actually have an appointment yeah. at two. So, Mr. Yeah. Balarin, you've erased your mind again. Uh, <laughs> I've decided to help you out by organizing your books. <laughs> Mr. Balarin, I wrote you out a schedule so you could just read it this time. <laughs> He's like, no, I got this. I got this. Where am I? Where? <laughs> Um, yeah, Jason Archivist, though, it's it's kind of what um, I was talking about earlier, where he it's a one blue blue creature where you can tap a blue and tap it, and each player discards their hand and draws cards equal to the greatest number of cards a player discarded this way. So if someone had seven cards and you had one, you all of a sudden get to draw seven cards. I, everybody does. Ah. Everyone yeah. does, yeah, which is kind of cool because you get a better deal than the person that has to discard their whole hand. So it's cool because you can also sort of plan around when you want to play the Archivist and use him. Yep. Yeah, I mean, obviously go into this one with a plan, but uh, yeah, card draw makes me happy, so that that one was a duh. We can uh, certainly The next card that. I put in there was uh, Curiosity. Uh, uh, yes. So oh, it's classic. an enchantment uh, for one blue. Uh, whenever enchanted creature deals damage to an opponent, you may draw a card. Uh, it enables your commander, so duh. And also, Niv's a very curious guy. Yeah. And so is Ral, and so is Jason. It's just a bunch of curious cats, so... Uh, it is nice that oh. it, this card lines up perfectly with the commander and in both right. flavor and power wise. Yeah, it, it's cheap as hell. Uh, also, there's a cat in the art uh, because it's curious like a cat, and that makes me laugh. <laughs> and so, the cat yeah. has like an injury too. We're talking about the uh, the Exodus or the Eighth Edition version. Oh, curiosity! Oh did yeah, kill yeah, the cat. yeah. The Exodus version. He's like, cat's like, oh my god, I want to find out what's happening. <laughs> yeah, this cat wants answers. Yeah. That's awesome. I believe uh, it is. I think it's Miri, actually. Miri falling. Is it? Uh, the flavor text is all Miri wanted oh, to do was totally rest, is. but she couldn't ignore a nagging suspicion as she followed Krovax's skulking form. Ooh, maybe this is the first instance of skulk in Exodus. Ooh, we found it. The first appearance. I really like this next entry, actually. Your uh, the equipment we have here. So the next one I have listed is a uh, lightning greaves, uh, because lightning, uh, and yep. also artifact. It fits in really well with the red blue thing that we've got going on, and uh, shroud makes me happy. So that's also white made in there. But not gonna lie, mostly it's because lightning is in the title. Yeah, lightning. The lightning part, because I can't. I mean, strapping on a pair of boots to a giant dragon to me is hilarious. Uh, yes but it's also totally what you know it's lightning greaves and you're able yeah. to use his ability so the name itself it's like we don't need to go full flavor right because then you wouldn't be able to really build a deck you sometimes have to take a slight liberty so just the name lightning is good enough for me exactly yeah and in the story project lightning bug uh, everything just kind of revolves around using storm magic so yeah it makes sense and you can also put this on like the jace's archivist and use it the turn he comes down and stuff so there's other creatures that want to harness the power of lightning Right, yeah. So uh, and then the last card I have is a Dismiss, uh, oh. two blue-blue counter-target spell, and draw a card, uh, because Niv is a, a jerk who is, like, charming, <laughs> but also very dismissive. That's and, great. Uh, He's yeah, just also it enables yeah. his ability, so might as well toss that in there. That's awesome. That's actually really funny, the idea that the counter, like, you, you know, because there have been so many counter spells in magic, Magic's history, right? Where you get to right, choose, yeah. like, well, I can just counter it or I can be dismissive. <laughs> no, I, no, I just, I don't have time for this. Mm, I dismiss it. No, thank you. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's our very quick breakdown of the Niv-Mizzet deck that we would build. Oh, you have some, uh, another Well, entry, I have Josh? a question because I have a sort of philosophical question about Vorthosi building of decks. Because mm-hmm. Oh, bring it. Let's hear it. <laughs> I was thinking about... I don't know the answer, so maybe you guys can help me. I was thinking about the story and how Niv-Mizzet has sort of sent out his cronies yeah. to investigate what the heck's going on with these disappearing, reappearing people. Mm-hmm. So there's this mechanic that just recently appeared 
called Investigate. Oh. So how do you feel about reappropriating something like that for this story, right? So you could put something oh, yeah. like Drown Yard Explorers mm-hmm. into... Now, they're not from Ravnica, but they're investigators. They mm-hmm. investigate right. when they come in, and that seems to fit the theme. And they're blue, so Niv-Mizzet could be sending out the Drown Yard Explorers to investigate the Planeswalker th- phenomenon, and maybe a few cards that have Investigate on it would I do fit love in the, this deck. Yeah, the idea of getting clues and sort of figuring it out, because that's definitely... I mean, Niv-Mizzet is looking for clues as to what's going on, right? Right, exactly. Oh, so yeah. I, I guess the question is, philosophically, is that okay to sort of reappropriate a mechanic that's... Well, we know that this is about something else. It's not actually about the same phenomenon in the official storyline but in the storyline of your right. deck maybe investigate means what's going on with these planeswalker things i'm 100 yeah on board. uh so um i i am a total fan of uh mashing together stuff from different stories uh and the thing about building a uh, flavor decks is that you can kind of decide what the rules are for yourself mm-hmm. uh I, so jumping back to when we've done the uh flavor ops before at least on the community team uh, I think my favorite matchup was when uh, Nate Price was playing a Space Jam deck, and <laughs> I was playing a Pacific Rim, and his his Space Jam deck was like this work. It was a masterpiece. Uh, <laughs> he mostly picked based off of like art. I, I I'm trying really hard to Google as quickly as I can to find the deck list, but everything he pulled was like vaguely related to Space Jam. But as soon as you heard the description, it's like, oh my god! Like, of course. Like what? What else could it possibly be? That's uh, really funny. I am that, trying so hard to Google at the speed of light because you you are taking something that is so outside the world of magic and throwing it in, and it's like Space Jam. But of right. course, exactly. But as long as you can defend it, then you know that's what counts. And it kind of depends on your play group too. Like if you're going at it to try and win, then that's one thing. But if you're trying to go to prove that, hey, I can find a magic card that totally reminds me of Charles Barkley then you can totally do that too. <laughs> That's awesome. I want to see that deck. Yeah. I'm trying actually. so hard. <laughs> Let's see if we can find so, it. So yeah. So well for this deck, I would say Drown Your Explorers looks like a possibility. Gone missing. Ooh, gone missing. Gone you know? missing yeah. actually feels really good because the planeswalkers keep going missing and you investigate the going of the That's missing. Good. Yeah, that's true. That's actually great. Not to mention in terms of the hat flavor. That is the number one hat card, I think, in all of Shadows of Rinnestrad. That is the number one hat card. It really <laughs> Look, at it. it's is. just, it is it's just, just a hat. hat. <laughs> well, it's, it's also a, some water. It's yeah, a hat true. in a swimming pool. Um, actually, if you guys watched the uh, the Community Super League, uh, this this week they had an Innistrad, uh, essentially Innistrad block deck building, and uh, the Loading Ready Run guys in the flavor style did uh, singleton hats. The, that was oh, one of their ways that they would draft original Innistrad, I think, was like just choose when they would draft the card based on the best hat. Yeah. Or it had had to have a hat in it. And if even if it was the best card in the pack, they wouldn't take it unless it had a hat. Had a hat. So that's also another hilarious and awesome way to build a deck flavorfully that's is wonderful. just bunches of hats. Um, you could do stuff like only lightning in the art or whatever. It has to have something with electricity in it. Anyway, we will uh, we'll we'll get that deck list if we can and put it in the uh, the show 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 notes if we can because that the space yes, jam yeah. sounds hilarious. Yeah, um, no, yeah, this that... is of essential importance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that is in essence a very quick breakdown of how I might approach building a Niv-Mizzet deck. Obviously, like you just said, Allison, this is a hundred percent up to your own interpretation. So oh, I yeah. look forward to hearing what you guys have to say on Twitter and all that. But let's move on to the second character that we're going to talk of here. 
And Josh, you decide on this one. Uh, yeah. So Tasa Karlov, who Allison says is her unmitigated favorite. So, oh, yeah. So do you want to talk about what it is about Tasa that you love so much? And Tasa actually sure thing. Is, this is one of the stories you actually wrote was um, it was for the that it was for the um, Magic 2015 2015. Dang it. Uh, yeah, it, it was for the uh, Commander. It was uh, Commander 2015. Uh, sorry. Right, right. It was for the uh, for Uncle Carl, as we call him. Yeah, Big Daddy <laughs> Uncle. Um, oh, he said, "What a what a what a what a crappy ghost." Carl uh, of the yeah, Carlov of the Ghost Council. Right. So, do you want to talk about the story a little bit? Sure thing. Uh, so, yeah, what drew what drew me to her as a character uh, is that Tessa's a lawyer first and foremost. Uh, she's Ravnica's version of a lawyer called an advocate, uh, and she's from the uh, Orzhov Guild. So she's black white. Uh, all about spirits and ghosts because ghosts are basically in charge of her guild. Uh, and her magic kind of varies in the story. Uh, in the beginning, it's mostly for like truth circles. She uses for work uh, while she's in court and doing stuff like that. Later, she can do some kind of like ghostly magic stuff. But in the story I wrote, she mostly just uses her brain. Uh, the Obzidat is the name of the ghost council that's kind of in charge of everything. They suck. Uh, the Obzidat <laughs> basically are like church meets a bank. So they kind of take like the worst parts of both of those and just kind of run with that as their like go-to for everything. Hmm. Um, and Tessa's not really a fan of that because although she is white black, she really likes the the law the way that it is and isn't really comfortable that the people in charge of her guild are so loosey goosey with laws and just kind of breaking them like all the time. Uh, so in the story that I wrote, uh, she goes out of her way to try and expose them for financial corruption and unfortunately is caught in the process. Tasa's uh, like fighting a real world fight right here. She's like take down Wall Street kind of, huh? She's like these ghosts. I've had enough of these ghosts. Yeah, she's a whistleblower for sure. I love that. Okay, yeah. So, Allison, do you want to talk about specifically the story that you wrote um, with Tajik and Uncle Carl? <laughs> sure thing. Uh, so, at the last time that we saw uh, Tasa, she had approached Tajik to say, "Hey." I want to take down the ghost council. And in the story I wrote, uh, you find out exactly how they do that. So uh, Tajik has dug a tunnel from one of the Boros outposts towards uh, the main building that the uh, Obzidat used to meet. Um, the idea being that they can tunnel their way into the record room, get a hold of some of the financial records, take them to the Azorius and be like, hey, look, proof that my guild sucks. Uh, so they could ideally deal with the ghosts in a way that is legal and in a way that they can actually make change. Mm. So uh, Tessa and Tajik get down to the tunnel and they're walking through and they break into the, the record room. They find what they need. And at the last second, uh, Tessa's crappy, crappy grandpa, uh, uh, Karlov, um, shows up and is basically thwarts her entire plan, tosses Tajik into jail and uh, is just kind of a turd. He's just sort of <laughs> a, a verbally abusive turd, like just not a cool guy. I imagine that he was crappy in life, but like when you've been dead for a while, uh, you, you, you got to get worse. So yeah, yeah right. that's uh, the last thing that we see of Tessa is her sadly walking up to uh, the top room of, uh, of the uh, of the uh, I think is the name of the uh, the place. Um, yeah, basically, she's in exile now. Oh, she's no. basically going to the principal's office like she's in big trouble. Dang. Um, one of the things I really ass. like about the story, too, is the way that Tasa sort of goes about trying to accomplish this goal of bringing she sort of tricks Jace into creating these little laws so that she can, like, 
find loopholes in the laws to use the law. So she's very like manipulative in the way that she goes about like doing this. Like she basically wants to create a bunch of like laws that create all these weird loopholes that she can use to like game the system and get back at the Obzidat, right? Right. So uh, in the moment, like way back when, when Jace uh, basically wins the maze and, oh, hey, your prize is that you're in charge of this entire city. Uh, (laughs) They start to define what the magic of the Guild Pact is. And uh, what it is, is that what the Guild Pact says is basically law. And so she figures that out and decides to manipulate that because she's a lawyer. That's what lawyers do uh, (laughs) into working for her. So she realizes that if she gets him to uh, affirm several things that are actually laws, when she tries to break them, the law is enforced. Um, and mm. so she uses that to uh, cross magical boundaries, to stop uh, magical security measures, and break into a place that she wouldn't be able to otherwise. Yeah, That's so great. it shows like sort of the way that Tessa goes about accomplishing things. It's not like get an army of people together and storm the castle, right? Mm-hmm. It's Create oh yeah, a bunch no, of, she's white black. She's that's not her. Style. Yeah, that's not yeah. what she's going to do at all. Which I thought was really interesting. So, um, so when I started thinking about how I would like to build a deck around this character and this storyline, you know, to me, Orzhov as a guild has always sort of felt like the mafia. Oh yeah, like you know they've got the organization of and the order of white, but they've also got this sort of underhandedness and the willing to do anything to accomplish their goals of Mm -hmm. black. And so that just, Mm -hmm. yeah, that just feels like the mob to me. It's like this strange code of honor, but at the same time, and, and, you know, the mafia's places a lot of importance on like blood and family, but then also like, Oh yes. They have to kill their blood and family a lot. (laughs) It seems like (laughs) if you watch like the Godfather or Goodfellas or the Sopranos, they're always talking about family and they're always turning around and killing, you know, their family members because they didn't do what, you know, they ratted them out to the police or whatever. Yeah. Um, right. So Taysa to me was like a super interesting character because she reminds me of like the sleazy lawyers that have to protect the mob bosses, you know? Right. Yeah. And you know, those characters are always conflicted because nobody gets into law to like protect the criminals. Everybody gets into law to like go for truth, truth and justice. Yeah, totally. You know? And, and so you can see how that for like sure. that weighs on her and she has to like, you know, and finally she's had enough and she's going to try and actually do what's right. And then it goes horribly wrong and she's going to be like brought to heel basically by the end of this story. Mm-hmm. So to me, like the arc of that story is really interesting. And also thinking about, you know, I thought one of the fun things was like thinking about, well, moving forward, what happens to Tessa? Right. You know, from here. And to me, she probably gets brought to heel by the ghost guys who Uncle Carl and everybody who basically sort of outsmarted her. And she has to go back to that life of like protecting the people that she doesn't really like that are doing the unscrupulous things. So um, mm-hmm. there's two Tesas. I don't know. I went with um, Tesa Orzov Scion. So I like this version more than than the other one. But it's great because they both are super controlly in in the Tesa way. Right. Yeah, they're very, both fun in very different ways. Yeah, very political. Both both of them. Yeah, so Tesa Orzov Scion is uh, one, a white and a black legendary creature, two, three. It says, sacrifice three white creatures, remove target creature from the game, and then exile. when other, whenever, oh, sorry, yeah, yeah sorry, <laughs> exile target creature, not remove <laughs> from the game, we don't do that anymore. Uh, and then whenever another black creature you control dies, put a 1-1 one, one white spirit t- creature token with flying onto the battlefield. So you really want your stone stuff to die, basically, with her. Yeah. Uh, which is really interesting. Um 
story-wise, I don't know why I chose this one. Probably just because it costs three mana. <laughs> and the other one costs seven. <laughs> and it's like, if you're going to do a story, you want to have your main character like... You don't want to be like the Godzilla movie or King Kong, where like right. I don't get to yeah, see yeah. those things for like an hour and a half into the movie. That sucks. Which is very I frustrating. See the thing, the yeah, exactly. So, um, and then the first card I I really thought to add was Felden's cane, mm-hmm. because Tasa has a limp and she needs a cane to walk. Correct. Yeah. Uh, one of the main uh, uh, things about uh, the Orzhov Guild is that they have artificially prolonged their life through magic. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that means a lot of birth defects, <laughs> uh, like a lot of birth defects. And uh, Tay says is that uh, she has a leg that's slightly weaker than the other one. So she uses a cane to get around. Uh, it's a gorgeous cane. Uh, you can kind of see the art in uh, Tay's Envoy of Ghosts. Yeah, it's also why she needs Tajik to tunnel for her because he's, you know, just 100 percent indestructible. Well, and the funny thing right. is that when she, she meets up with Tajik, she needs something to support herself and she doesn't have her cane with her. So he lends her a sword. And so oh, yeah. I also think the sword of war and peace should be in oh. there because that's the sword that's red, white. Yes. Oh, that's so good. Yes. Very flavorful. I like that. A lot. Oh, good job. Not nice. light and shadow. Notably. I like, yeah, that. I said not light and shadow. Cause you would think, Oh, light and shadow. That's the black, white one, but no, it, right. she got it from Tajik. It has to be the oh, red, white one. His sword. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so good. Nice. <laughs> so those are her two like walking assistants. Those, those are her two <laughs> walkers. Cause she's, she's not a young lady. Um, you know, one of the other cards I thought about early on was Underworld Connections, mm-hmm. which is just a very Orzhov thing. And it seems to be, you know, for there's a couple of reasons. One is they actually physically go underground. Yep. Right, right. To sort of break into the Obsidot area. And also, it's just like when you're a corrupt lawyer or whatever, you're always dealing with like the sleazy underbelly and sure. you need your Underworld Connections. And, and that's a uh, two black and or sorry. Uh, black, black, and one for Enchant Land, and Enchanted Land has tap it, pay one life, draw a card. Nice. So if you have four mana, you can actually play this on a land and use it that same turn. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, card draw, always good. Always good. And it also was Amen. in Ravnica, uh, Return to Ravnica as well, so it definitely has it has a flavor from the same plane. There's a great quote from Tesa on uh, one of the flavor texts for the card Immortal Servitude. Her quote is, the fine Ooh. print of countless contracts has ensured we are never defenseless, <laughs> which is such a great like oh, little so look good. into the mind of Tesa, right? And I was like, oh, we need we need to think about all this paperwork that she would create to protect them. Um, so it's si- so cool too because like she doesn't defend herself with her fists or with her magic. She right. uses her brain and her knowledge. Like that's that's so much more terrifying and cool because that's a very real uh, a real superpower in real life. Yeah, absolutely. These people certainly exist in real life, and they have this power. Uh, so sign in blood yes. was yep. sort of the the marquee card for me that sort of met that um, the criteria of that uh, flavor text. Yeah, which is black, black for mm-hmm. a sorcery. Uh, draw two cards, you lose two life. Or target player draws two cards and loses two life. Cause right, sometimes some... you can use it to kill people. Yeah. <laughs> Once in a while. <laughs> Once and it in a while. it feels so good when you do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was a really good one. Um, I also thought like Briber's Purse, mm-hmm. which I won't even read it because it doesn't matter. It's just the idea that she's going to be able to go around and bribe the right people mm-hmm. to create this you know, network of paperwork and spies and all these things she needs that aren't like direct confrontation like you were saying, Allison. Mm-hmm. Um, another one I really liked was Devout Witness. Devout Witness is actually a decent card. 
And to, to your point earlier, Jimmy, like, that's the thing you're really trying to do, right? Is, like, fit your flavor, but also make your deck playable. Yeah, totally. Sure. So Devout Witness is two and a white for a creature human s- spell shaper, 2-2. Two, two. You pay one and a white, tap the Devout Witness, and discard a card, and destroy target artifact or enchantment. So a useful oh, nice. ability. Yeah, totally. But also, if you're in the court of law, so often in these cases where, like, some mob boss is on the stand or whatever, like, you got to get rid of the witnesses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Tasa, if you'll recall, can sacrifice three white creatures to exile a creature. So every once in a while, <laughs> you gotta kill off the witnesses. You, you gotta, gotta, you gotta kill off the witnesses. <laughs> oh my gosh! So that is a flavor win right That's there. That's fantastic! Holy nice. moly! So that was my favorite one. I think that I came up with was yeah, the totally. devout witness. A little bit. I'm proud of that one. I love that. That is, that is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> and then. The card Skull Clamp I have written down, and it might be like Skull Clamp. Okay, yeah, that's a good card, but why would you have it in there? Because I can't help thinking of that scene in Goodfellas where he puts that one guy's head in a vice. Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. Joe Pesci's oh, yeah. putting his the guy's head in a vice, and he's trying to, he's like, who who told you? Who told you? And he's trying to get the information out of him, and, yeah. he's, and he's clamping his head so that he can get the information. And I was like, Skull Clamp's got to be in there just for Joe oh, Pesci. Oh, this mob team is so good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it just so happens that Taste also puts out one ones. But, you know, that's aside the point. We're, yeah. we're talking Joe Pesci here, not Joe for Vorthos flavor stuff, man. It's not because it's one of the greatest cards ever created. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> um, and then there's a great, you know, Tace is so smart that she has control of a dragon at some point in the story. Is that right, Allison? It's correct. Yeah. Uh, in the novels, um, she manages to like bend one of the dragons of Ranuka to her will to uh, take care of this uh, plot of lands that she's been basically put in charge of. Pretty uh, cool. So, yeah. so my question was like, which dragon is sort of the most lawyery mm-hmm. or the most <laughs> like and and to me it was Yosei the Morning Star. So Yosei uh-huh. is from uh Kamigawa, I think. It's four and two white for a five five flyer dragon spirit. When Yosei the Morning Star dies, target player skips his or her next untap step, tap up to five target permanents that player controls. And that seems very, like a lot of paperwork. Very controlled. That's such a pain. Yeah, that's yeah. obviously a, a lawyer dragon. Yeah, yeah. that seems like <laughs> they just buried you under like a lot of legal mumbo jumbo. Yeah, and all the cards are like, <laughs> I'm tapped. I Just give me a little bit of time to clear out the paperwork. I'll be right back. Give me a turn. Cycle. I got to be in court tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, let's talk about your uh, recommendations, Allison. You've got some uh, cool ones here. Sure. Uh, so this story was written uh, for Karloff of the Ghost Council, who was introduced in Commander 2015. Uh, and when uh, I was assigned to write one of the stories for this set, they allowed me to pick which commander I wanted to do. And uh, I remember asking uh, regarding Karloff, can I make it about... His, his granddaughter, Tessa. <laughs> and luckily they said yes. Uh, but I wrote the story with the uh, mechanics of this card in mind uh, because uh, his ability is a uh, white black remove six plus one plus one counters from Carla with the ghost cancel and you exile target creature. Um, so yep. the end is him basically doing that to her. Uh, she isn't necessarily dead, but she's definitely uh, being exiled from the life that she used to live and from her title as a lawyer She's basically trapped in the zone that she cannot get out of whether she likes it or not. Um, mm-hmm. So that felt like a really natural fit for uh, either of the tasters uh, that we have. Um, totally. I also yeah. have uh, Path to Exile because, duh, that's more exiling. And also it's just a good card to have in things. you got to have it. It's yeah, a white you, deck. So you, you got to. Yeah. I like that you made a flavor reason to have it. Exactly. Yeah. Any any chance I can have a flavor reason for something that makes sense, uh, <laughs> I, I will totally go for that. Um <laughs> 
Shielded by Faith is uh, another card I have. It's uh, one white white and enchantment. Uh, enchanted creature is indestructible, and when it enters the battlefield, you can attach Shielded by Faith to that creature. Uh, the Obsidot is basically like religious bank, uh, and so they use the guise of religion in order to do all of these really awful things and control people's oh, lives. Oh, very nice. Uh, so I thought that that was a really nice representation of the control that the Obsidot has, as well as, again, just being a really good card. You're just sticking things because it's cheap, and why not? Yeah, also notably, you can attach it to an opponent's creature. You can exactly. you can, you can wheel and deal your way into uh, some yeah. alliances with, with yeah, this Yeah, you can guy. win some friends with this. Yeah, even if it's not the, even if you're only using the faith as like you're like, uh, yeah, well, you, yeah, of course, faith, yeah, absolutely. You're using like the that. Machiavellian version of faith. Yeah, there you go. Right. Uh, I like this last one actually. This I had on my list too. Oh, great! Yay, great minds. Uh, yeah, merciless eviction. Um, it's just really, 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 really solid removal. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's as yeah, good as it gets. It's basically as good as it gets. Uh, so where you just made some really good friends, hopefully, with Shielded by Faith, now you get to just make everyone really mad at you. Uh, <laughs> so you can choose to either exile all artifacts, exile all creatures, exile all enchantments, or exile all planeswalkers. Um, wow. So if you got something that's giving you trouble, just you know pay the right amount of money, and we can get rid of whatever you need to. <laughs> the flavor See? text on this is great, too. I once saw it the Obsidant move to action. Since that day, I've been thankful that they're mainly lazy and dead. <laughs> also, I think we should retcon uh, Karlov. Uh, he's no longer an uncle. I guess he really is Grandpa Carl now. Grandpa Carl. Grandpa Carl. He is Gramps. Well, he's yeah, somebody's he's uncle. Just, he's somebody's uncle, for he's somebody. sure. He's someone's uncle. Yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, I think he would technically be uncle's uncle uh uncle the character from uh from the uh Ravnica novels he's uncle's uncle i i think <laughs> i think that's who he would be yeah so he's uncle's uncle he's double, oh, double no, no, uncle no. carl no no he would be uncle's dad he's uncle's dad uh, uncle's dad uncle's dad uncle, good old uncle's dad <laughs> what a guy I love that. That was great. Um, big points to you, Josh, for doing the whole mafia thing. It definitely yeah, is. The, forget about it. Forget about it. Eh? It's like the <laughs> it's the the real world equivalent, you know, of the of the flavor and the text and stuff. So I big fan of that. Um, mm-hmm. Now you submitted two other stories that I really liked the tales of. Um, let's just briefly go over them because our to the listener segment is going to deal with this next bit. So first sure up, thing. we have Daxos of Miletus and Daxos the Returned. And of oh, course, oh Daxos, our oh, our Romeo, Daxos. perhaps our um. He really is. He's Magic's most tragic lover. Who's the guy that that went down to Hades to retrieve his lady, and then on the way back couldn't look back at her? Reminds uh, me of him Orpheus. too. Yes, reminds me of that yeah. of him as well. Um, and yeah, then, he's uh, he's Magic's version of that, more or less. Uh, except instead of a poet, he's a warrior. Um, he's the. Uh, He's the guy who meets up with Elspeth when she first arrives on Theros, and uh, they wheel and deal and fight some bad guys and beat up some hydras, and they deal with a bunch of, you know, all sorts of bad dudes, and uh, eventually they fall in love with each other. Oh, but yeah. that love is not for long, unfortunately. Oh, it, it just not, doesn't end well. No. It never ends no. well, does it? Unfortunately. <laughs> Star-crossed uh, lovers. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they become romantically involved, but Xenagos, being the, the crappy jerk satyr that he is... Uh, <laughs> He and this is actually kind of really messed up. He kind of takes over uh, Elspeth's mind for a little bit while she's asleep, which, given her history of uh, just really like severe abuse, is super messed up. Yeah, and forces her to live out one of her nightmares, where she uh, fights uh, one of the uh, Phy- I think the Phyrexian Obliterator. Yeah, the Phyrexian yeah, Obliterator. Phyrexian Obliterator. 
And so she's living out this dream of like fighting and killing this horrible monster. And she comes to and realizes that she just violently murdered her lover. Oh, gosh. It's really messed up. And so she feels terrible about it. And it's is very, very much torn up uh, through the rest of the Theros storyline uh, that this awful guy who thinks he's a god um, really, 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 really did something messed up to her and mm-hmm. forced her to do this unspeakable action against her lover. But the story does not end there because uh, Elspeth, unfortunately, dies. Uh, and after she dies, uh, Daxus becomes one of the returned. So he's basically a zombie that was granted like, uh, Hey, good job being really cool in life. We're going to grant you a <laughs> sort of life again, uh, from, uh, one of the gods. You and get a so, new color and a cool mask. Exactly. He struck a deal with Erebos and now he's wandering, uh, wandering the surface, trying to find his lover, not realizing that Elspeth is where he would just was Aww. in the land of the dead. So... We can only hope that Elspeth might make a return someday. She is a planeswalker Man, after all. I hope so. She she deserves a, a happy er ending, but yes. sadly she's she's quite dead. Absolutely. And so is he, so you know, there's that at least. Yeah. Well <laughs> hey, you know, no good story without a cliffhanger, so they obviously it's have true. places places to go and, and people to meet. Um and the other story that you submitted, uh one of my all time favorite creatures, uh yeah. sorry, Phil from you're not gonna, yeah, sorry, Phil. You're not going to like this. No, it I is... think it's Phil's favorite creature of all time. Oh, yeah, Elish Norn. told me that. Yeah. Elish Norn, Grand Cenobite. Who doesn't um, love her? She's super cool. Yeah. She now, has the coolest headpiece in the multiverse. Oh, yeah. Also, she's like 20 feet tall, which is really cool. I'm not 20 feet tall, so it's <laughs> hard not really? to love that. It's hard to tell on Skype. You you look like you might be about 19 feet tall. I getting am, there. yeah. It's uh, getting to work is actually kind of a thing I don't like to talk about. Because <laughs> I don't hate it in my cubicle, so thanks for bringing that up in front of me. No um, I didn't actually know Elish Norn. <laughs> of course, Elish Norn does have a story, but when I first yeah. saw this card, it was just the pure power level is what drew me to it. But oh, what what is the what is the story here? Uh, the story is that Elish is uh, one of the leaders of, uh, of the Phyrexians, uh, who are kind of kind of like the borg except uh with just like metal and they kind of run off of this really bizarre religion sort of thing of believing that everything just needs to be uh, uh yeah everything perfected just really is. exactly yeah yes well in this case minus two minus two and uh this also ties in really well with uh, elspa's storyline because uh, she uh was one of the uh, residents of a plane that was attacked uh by the phyrexians and uh, she spent most of her formative years as a slave, uh, which really, really sucks working under these guys. Yeah, um, no kidding. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of why I chose this other story. It is uh, Elspeth writing a letter to a Johnny that she'll never send. She has just landed on Theros after escaping these awful creatures. And she's just kind of talking about the brutalities that she witnessed uh, at the hands of these awful things. Uh, and so, yeah, Alesh is mentioned really briefly. Uh, a couple of other things that are mentioned are uh, Malira and Koth. Venzer, Tezzeret, uh, a bunch of uh, really, really like classic magic characters and really iconic places. And it's all squished into this one story that didn't happen too long ago in the timeline. Hmm. I like it. It's, God, Elspeth is just the saddest. Poor she Elspeth. Really she gets Elspeth has been through so much stuff deal. and is such a warrior. She's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I always have a particular sort of affection for cards that are super powerful and of course, super badass. And Elspeth, every single iteration of Elspeth has been like, "Oh yeah, thumbs up! You kick no, butt!" She's super 
Um, so let's move on to the listeners. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed sort of the flavorful Vorthosi aspect of this episode. And that's why we are reaching out to you now. Um, if you guys have any suggestions for flavorful cards that we may have missed for either Niv-Mizzet, Tesa, or Daxos, slash Elishnorn, slash Elspeth, let us know. You can tweet at us at CommandCast. You can send us an email, CommandCast at RocketJump.com, or you can post in the comments on YouTube or at RocketJump. Yeah, I'd really like to hear like what, how you would start to like have a take, especially on Daxos and Elishnorn, who we didn't really have time to go into. But it's interesting to see how different people like i mean as many as as many as stars in the sky there are that many ways to sort of mm-hmm. take these mm-hmm. things and put your own mark on it that's sort of what's cool about tackling a deck and deck building in this manner yeah you can go the space jam route you know you don't necessarily yeah. have to tie it 100 percent to the story you could find the nugget in there that inspires you to take this deck in a different direction What a cool idea about like actually just looking at the art and having the deck be based on the actual pictures. Like that's just another way to think about building uh, a Vorthosi deck, which is really, really interesting. Really cool. All right. You want to go to the end step? Let's move on to the end step. So we're moving on to the end step where we're talking about something cool outside of the world of magic. Allison being our esteemed guest. Do you have anything super sweet? Uh, yeah, I'm going to be really selfish, uh, and plug something I've been working on outside of work. Uh, so I mentioned earlier that I helped to, uh, co-found a theater company here in Seattle a few years ago, and, uh, we do lots of stuff other other than theater. And, uh, one of them is a serial podcast called Mermaid in Manhattan. Uh, it takes place in (laughs) post-apocalyptic New York. Mermaid in Manhattan. That is brilliant. I love that. (laughs) I love good puns. (laughs) I'm in just from the name. Uh, the, the plot is that, uh, it takes place in post-apocalyptic New York. Uh, so New York city has basically sunk and, uh, is now overrun with gang wars between mermaids and reverse mermaids, which are exactly what you think they would probably be. That's fish head and human feet. And really cool, really nice legs. Yes. <laughs> you start from the legs up, you're like, oh, oh, yes. And then you get to, you're like, oh, no. Oh, oh gosh. Uh, the reverse mermaids are one of my favorites. Uh, they all talk like greasers and ride around on jet skis. Uh, they're, they're pretty rad. So um, this is like yeah, a so, radio drama? Uh, yeah, it's a radio drama. Um, there are, I think, like seven or eight episodes right now uh, of a 10-episode series. It's all on iTunes, SoundCloud. Uh, and it's a blast, and I highly recommend you listen to it. That sounds awesome. Now, what yeah, exactly do you do awesome. on the show? Uh, I play the part of Madison, one of three uh, human characters on the entire show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she has a, a really awesome sword fist blade sort of thing. Uh, doesn't take no crap from no one. And, uh, yeah, run, runs around uh, trying to rescue uh, one of her husbands uh, who has been kidnapped by the Froglodytes. The Froglodytes. That's a great name. <laughs> Man, it sounds awesome. I can't wait to check yeah, it out. It sounds super awesome. Um, so we'll, yeah. of course, put all the links in the show notes below for you guys to check that out. Allison, where can we find you on the World Wide Web? Uh, you can find me at Allison the Person on Twitter. And that's one L, so you guys know. One L, and all squished in together, one long word. <laughs> Allison, I am so happy that we finally got to do a Vorthosi episode with one of Magic Writer's uh, themselves and that that to me is an honor so thank you very much for coming on to the show thank you so much for inviting me you guys are super awesome i'm really happy this worked out yeah super awesome we'll have to do another story episode at some point and bring you back on because there are so many stories to tell done yeah exactly 
done and done. You know, maybe There's we'll so have to. So many stories. Maybe we'll do it with a block. Thing so many too. Space Jam decks. So many Space Jam decks waiting to be built. <laughs> um, I really want to see what some of the cards were in that because I want to know what card looks the most like Charles Barkley. Like, yeah, exactly. What reminds well, you? Well, I of can Charles I can give you a I can give you a taste. Uh, if you like, I was so while we've been chatting, I, I jumped onto yield Google and I found one listing um, and Ooh, nice. one of the I'll, I'll just tell you like the dialogue of how this worked out. <laughs> um, so the card that a uh, community manager, Nate, was most proud of for being in the Space Jam deck was Bloodshot Cyclops, uh, not because of who it looks like, but because of the name uh, Bloodshot Cyclops used to be called Chuck. Back in the day, so he's Charles Barkley. Oh, <laughs> would you look at that? There you go. That is Chuck. great. And it has the word shot in it. Yeah. Exactly. That Come is on fantastic. and slam. <laughs> Come on and slam. That's awesome. <laughs> well, you have to send us that link so we can throw it into the show notes below. Um, Done. If you're watching the video on YouTube right now, you're seeing Bloodshot Cyclops. So, yeah, exactly. You know, why aren't you watching the video? Yeah. <laughs> probably because you're driving don't watch videos and drive yeah it's cool <laughs> i really hope no one does actually every time i say that i'm like oh gosh i hope no one does like put on our podcast when they're on the road unless it's audio only of yeah, audio only we we, we mm-hmm. promote self you know life choices or safe life choices safe also life choices, self yeah. ones yeah yeah don't do a niv mizzet experiment and try to do something wacky in your car keep it keep it to the brewing guys speaking um, of brewing oh yeah Speaking of brewing, make sure to check out our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern. Uh, Alex Kessler and Ben Bateman, they're brewing up a lot of decks because of GPLA, and they've been really hitting it hard with like how you prep for a tournament mm-hmm. and what the metagame might look like. Uh, a lot of cool things happening in Modern. You can check them out. Uh, follow them on Twitter, at the MMCast, or you can find their podcast right next to us at rocketjump.com slash podcasts. Our editor for the show is the one and only Terry Robertson, who's been killing it. If you guys haven't seen the video versions of these podcasts, you are seriously missing out. It's a great uh, alternative way to consume the content and also see all the cards at the same time so that if we just say some names and don't read off the card text, you'll actually be able to sit there and see them animated on the screen. You can find that stuff at youtube.com slash the command zone podcast. And of course, big special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer at living cards, MTG on Twitter, who does all of the animation for the show. So our cool intro and the little segments, Jeffrey's been making his way around, by the way, he is doing stuff everywhere. And it's oh, awesome. Yeah. To learn community college channel, fireball, the community super league. CSL, yeah, oh, yeah, all kinds great. of stuff. Jeffrey, good work. Keep it up. We love your stuff. We also love Allison. Allison, thank you so much for coming on. You're the best. Thank you so much for inviting me. We will be sure to get you back on soon. Make sure you guys, listeners, send us your stuff. I want to see what you guys have come up with. I'm really excited because these characters are incredibly diverse. So are you, our listeners. So let's see what you come up with. I I think this may lead to me actually building my first actual real Vorthos stack. Oh, really? Yeah, because yes, I was good. I had yes, a lot of fun Jones. doing it. And I was like, this is fun. I should do this for real. Like, I should actually build the entire deck. So, yeah, it's so, good. So you got me. <laughs> you totally got me. I'm hooked. Yes! We did it. We didn't actually Victory! record the episode, Josh. This was all to get <laughs> you to build a Vorthos <laughs> deck. Yeah, you got punked. Joke's on you. I'm still going to kick your butt with it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you. We reversed it. That I happens said sometimes. These. It happens yes, sometimes. Yes, I did it. I am Josh Lee Kwai. How's it? I have the worth of the stack. Uh, peace. Uh, later, guys. Thank you for your attention. 
For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.